invite you to have a seat and ask you to take a moment in prayer with me. At the end of the prayer, I'll invite you to pray the words that will be on the screen, the Lord's Prayer. I invite you to pray that out loud. Just the church lifting up our prayer to God. Let's pray. Oh God, you are so good. Your goodness never fails. God, you are so faithful. Your faithfulness never fails. And God, we are in awe and amazed that you see us and know us, that you would choose to be present with your people. You call us your people, the people of God. And God, it's even more amazing that you, that you would see us and, and walk with us when we consider how broken the world is around us and within us. And so God, we have signs of that around us, just too, too evident this week. So we pray for the city of Memphis, the communities there that are experiencing brokenness and distrust and, and anger. God, we pray for healing to take place in broken families and homes and hearts and cities in our country. And God, we have definitely come to realize that we can't fix uh, the problems that are uh, in the world around us. So we depend on you. We lean on you. We call on you. God, show us the way. And you've given that to us in your son, Jesus Christ, who proclaimed that the kingdom of God is near, is at hand, and here's what it looks like, and here's how to live it. So God, we chase after him this morning. Come and speak to us. Open our hearts, open our minds to what it means to follow Jesus. We lift this prayer up in his name, for the, he's the one who taught us how to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, my name is Mark Youngman. I'm one of the pastors here at Providence Church. So good to be with you guys who are here in the room. Those of you who are joining us online, welcome. Welcome. God is, is meeting us in this place today. Um, my day started kind of early. I got a text at 4.36 this morning. Um, I didn't see it till 5.30 because 4.36, come on, right? That's pretty unreasonable. But you know it's a bad thing when you get a, a text message at 4.36 in the morning. It was from Pastor Jacob letting me know that he was not uh, feeling well today. And so you have to know that it, for him to not be here, he's really not feeling well. So I invite you to lift him up in, in prayer today and his, his family and their, their whole household just for, for healing uh, to take place there. So that's me. Now I'm here and it's like, it's AFC championship game tonight. I feel, like, I feel like I'm the uh, backup quarterback for the Chiefs, right, being called in. I've been training. I've been here. Like, I've been training my whole life, and uh, <laughs> I'm ready, guys. Also, I know you'll have a ton of grace for me because, you know, I got up early, and uh, <laughs> here we are. It's a little bit ironic in, in a sense, I guess, that uh, last time I, d I did this, kind of, kind of came in 
kind of kind of short notice. It was uh, I was on sabbatical uh, in the summer, and then Pastor Jacob had a medical event that he has, has shared with you guys about. So I came out of my Sabbath and uh, came for that. Today we're talking about Sabbath and Sabbath rest, and um, here we are. I feel like God might have a message for us, and um, hopefully giving some rest to to Pastor Jacob as as well during this time. Here's the, here's the passage of scripture that uh, we want to come, come uh, with today. This is from Jesus. It's Jesus telling us, inviting us to rest. Okay, here's what he said. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Uh, there's some things about Providence Church that I think probably not everyone knows. There's some things that kind of that happen commonly under the surface. And I actually had a church member recently whose mother passed away. He said, I just really want the church to know um, how caring the church staff is for, for the people in the congregation and in the church and um, how well they, they serve and care during difficult times. Um, so I share that with you um, and also kind of give you an image on Monday mornings. Every Monday morning, your pastors get together, Pastor Jacob and I and Pastor Angela and Pastor Betsy and Allison Vines, the director of care here at Providence Church. We gather together every Monday, Monday morning. We look at and pray for the prayer requests that, that come in. And then we kind of learn like who's in the hospital and how, how can we care well for, for folks. And we take that really, really seriously. One of the things that's it's actually kind of a gift for us to be able to walk through uh, difficult times with families and difficult times of, of grief and, and death as well. Uh, last night we had a funeral, a celebration of life for a man named David. It was right here in, in this room. David was an accomplished man. He was a really uh, just amazing person as all the description came out and people came to tell stories. He was drafted into the Air Force and he served in Vietnam. And when he was in Vietnam, one of the stories that came out is he would go regularly and visit an orphanages in the area to minister to the children of, of Vietnam. He was just that kind of guy with that kind of a heart. And when he came back from, from serving in the war, he came back here. He built a home on a farm uh, for his family. He worked hard. He taught his children important things like how to, how to put up a tent, <laughs> how to fish, how to, how to ride in a canoe, <laughs> Taught him all the important things of life so that they could enjoy and love nature. He just really wanted to share. Like, really what people were saying is that he was really good at investing in others. And not like financially, which, I mean, could be, but nobody talked about that. They said they were talking about how he invested in his family and his friends and even strangers who would meet on the street. Like, he'd always have a compliment for some stranger on the street. Let me give you a picture of what it looked like in here last night. So there were multiple generations here. There were uh, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and there, this place was just full of life. It was, it was actually kind of noisy in, uh, as we were kind of waiting for the service to begin, and it was beautiful. It was, it was almost, um, it was like a stark, I noticed it, that there was so much life in this room when we were coming together because of a death. It's kind of an, an amazing thing. And there were really only a few, probably a handful of people who were here for that service that had ever been in Providence Church before. So I kind of took a notice, like just in a moment, I was just really grateful for Providence Church, for being and providing a, a space and grace 
for a family that was grieving. And you guys do that all the time, even when you don't know about it. It was just, it was beautiful. And in the middle of that service, we prayed through the 23rd Psalm, something pretty common for, for funerals. And I wanted to do that right now just to kind of slow us down a bit, or maybe slow myself down a bit as, as we, we move into this. So this is the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here at Providence Church, as you've heard maybe the last couple of weeks, we're embarking on a kind of a, a journey together. We're calling it Practicing the Way. And so what we're talking about is all about how to, how to practice the way of, of Jesus so that we can follow Jesus more closely, become deeper disciples of, of Jesus, be more like him and know him better. So in order to do that, we look at his life. We look at what Jesus did, what he does, and we learn from, from Jesus. And then we become deeper disciples. We become apprentices. You might have heard that word last week as well. Like we apprentice under the master Jesus. So let's look at a few things that Jesus did in one particular area. You'll start to see the theme as I share these verses with you from the Gospels. First one's from Matthew 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Leaving the crowd behind, the disciples took him along just as he was in the boat. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well at about noon. So these are just a few examples of this one particular pattern, this one thing that Jesus practiced in his life. This was Jesus. And most of the stories that we tell about Jesus, they took place in like a three-year time window, right? And it was urgent. Jesus knew that it was urgent, that the time was short, that his message was the most important thing that could be communicated. And yet he took time. He stopped. He rested. He stepped aside. Here's how important this was. Actually, God started this, implemented this in the book of Genesis. At the very beginning of the story, when, he, when we're learning about creation, we hear this about how God created and the importance of stopping and resting, creating moments to just be with God. So the first one, first day of creation, you know, some of you will know this, the first day there was nothing and God created light. The second day, he created the sky. Day three, he created the dry ground, land, and the seas. And God, after each one of these days of creating something, he said, it was good. And then on the sixth day, as God had kind of started this pattern, this was his rhythm of creation. He would create something. He would say it was good. He would create something. He would say it was good. And he came to us. He created us, and he said, this is very good. This is important for where we're headed to remember this. I know that like you've heard that, most of you have like, heard that oh, time and time again, yes, and when he looked it up, he, less, he said it, we were very good. 
But I think that sometimes it's easy to forget that because we tend to think of how other people look at us or how we view ourselves instead of how God looks at us. Part of how we wear ourselves out and miss out on life is right when we're in the middle of life, we misunderstand how God sees us, and it's tragic. God says, when he looks at you, oh, very good. So all this creation that, that God did took six days. This is Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Let's define a few things here in this. You heard the word rested twice in that uh, couple of sentences from Genesis chapter 2. The word for that in Hebrew is Shabbat, which sounds a lot like Sabbath. It's where we get the word Sabbath, which is kind of a word that we use for understanding that, that we are called to rest. But that word also really kind of more tr- uh, closely translates into the word stop. Sabbath means to stop. And for us, stopping might sound like a really profound command. <laughs> On the seventh day, God stopped. It's kind of funny, and we'll get into this um, in our practicing the way in, in the weeks to come as well. But when we kind of consider our lives, like we see that God created, He, he rested, He stopped, but his life isn't like our life, you know, like we have, we have appointments, you know, we've got kids that keep us really busy, uh, keep us on the run, you know, we have things to do. You don't know who I am, God. I'm very, very important. But God rested. God took time to rest and to stop. God did it. The other word I want to define in this uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, is the word holy, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And holy means that it is set apart. It's not common. It's like the opposite of common. God made the seventh day holy. He set it apart. It's different from all the other days. All the other days are great. God spent them creating amazing things. But on the seventh day, this one is holy. This one is set aside. Now, when we think about things that are holy, a lot of times we'll think about a place that is holy, like some place that's been really important to us. Maybe, you know, a childhood home or a, a place in nature or some, some place that is really important to us, and we consider it to be a holy place. In the Bible, it uses this kind of idea to talk about places being holy, like the holy mountain, the holy temple, the holy of holies that's in the holy temple on the holy mountain. These are places that have been set aside as holy. Now, we do the same thing as well, and when the th- places that we consider to be holy are threatened by things like fires or uh, floods, we begin to notice even more how holy these places are. Like here in our community, our, our common story is that a tornado came through this community a few years ago and took out two schools, among a lot of other things. And those two schools were both places where Providence Church had met for a season. Now at the time that that the tornado went through, the, the year prior to that, my kids had been students in, in West Wilson Middle School, the last school that we met in as, as a church. And I can tell you, they had never talked about it as a holy place. <laughs> like, it was school, you know? It was a place they learned, and not all kids are nice in middle school, you know? Like, they, it was kind of a, kind of a rough, rough time in some ways. They never talked about it as being holy, but as we went through that tornado, 
and stories began to, to bubble up. There were teachers who had spent their entire career in that place. And for them, it was holy. They'd been able to impact lives and have, have their lives changed. There were people who had met their future spouse in that school. You know, there were things that had happened in that place that for them made it a holy place. And when holy things are devastated, we also are devastated. So we also can think about people as being holy. That might be the next thing that would come to mind. We got, there are people that are set apart. There are people that are special in, in our lives. The Bible talks about how God identifies his people, the people of Israel. And he said, I'm going to make of you a holy nation. You are set apart. You are holy. You are not ordinary. You're not common. And that's why it's so important for us that, that we've been invited and adopted into this family because we too are a part of the holy people of God. We are set aside. So God talked about space as being holy. God talks about people being holy. But do you know the first time, the first thing that God called holy was time. And the first time God calls holy is the time when you're supposed to stop. So the first, thing, the first time God says, this is holy, he's talking about a day, and it's the day when you're supposed to do nothing. <laughs> it's the day when you're supposed to stop. So God calls things holy, time, people, and place in that order. So I think for me, it's kind of easy to see a place as being holy. I've heard people refer to this hill where Providence Church sits as a holy place. And the reason people would say that it's a holy place is because God has done amazing things in this place. So we say that is a holy space. And it's a place where God's holy people gather. So it's a, it's a holy place. I hope to become better at seeing people as holy, I try. I try really hard. I'm not perfect at it. Um, you, might, you might relate to what I'm saying here. Like there are days where there, I'll just come across a random person and the first thing I'm thinking is not that that person is holy. <laughs> but I have some people in my life that are just kind of like a touchstone for how to know what a holy person looks like. Their names are Bob and Hazel Terhune. They're friends of our family. They've, they've supported us in ministry for many years. They're just amazing, amazing folks. And uh, they kind of did life with us for several years. And then they moved to the West Coast. And they were here for Christmas over the holidays. And we had plans. Like we had plans to get together with them. And they got sick. And we were busy. And it was like it just couldn't happen, you know. And the night before they were, were flying back to the, to the West Coast, we got this treasured time to be with them. It was like 30 or 40 minutes. They came by. It was late at night. We had been doing all this crazy stuff, but we sat down for some time with our favorite holy people. And it was first time in a while that I really noticed the holiness of time. You know, it's true for us that we're not really all that great at, at letting time be holy, but that's what God identifies first. You can't be in a holy place or encounter the presence of the holy people if you're too busy to stop, right? So the best trick of the enemy is to get us to be moving around so fast and so quickly and so sure that our schedules are the most important thing ever that we don't leave time to stop. Does anybody feel that? Holy time is when we stop. Holy time is when we're able to connect with the holy presence of God and the holy people of God. Jacob said recently that if you don't Sabbath, you will die. 
And it was, like, it was a stark thing to say, right? That if you don't Sabbath, you will die. The truth that underlines this statement is actually scientific. Like it's been done, it's been proven that communities of people who stop and rest on a regular God-given pattern to stop and to rest live longer, like years longer. They add to, to their life when they learn to stop. If you never stop during, during your life, then when you get to the end of your life, like what will you have to, what will you have to say? So then Jesus said again these words, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So you've heard that a couple times now. Maybe that sounds appealing to you. Sometimes when I read those words, it just I, if I were like monitoring my heart rate, it goes down. Like, oh, I'm being invited. I'm being invited by, by Jesus, the Savior of the world, to rest, to not do something for just a moment, to come to him because he's humble and gentle. And so as I hear that, I got to wonder, well, how is it that I can do that? How do, we, how do we enter into what Jesus is inviting us into and what God established as a pattern for our life? Well, it's inviting us to be, become deeper disciples or an apprentice, like I said a while ago. When I think of the term apprentice, I, I think of somebody who's got a craft, right? And so you have an apprentice under a person who's really like a master craftsman at something. So the picture that I have in my life is, is a following my, my dad around. My dad um, is a, like a novice um, woodworker. And he built, in addition to our, like a porch on our house, and he built a shop so that he could create all kinds of things for his family and, and for his friends. And I just remember as a kid, I would be there. One time we were building a clubhouse in the backyard on the stilts. And it's pretty, pretty amazing. It's still, still standing <laughs> after all these years. I remember as a kid following him around and just watching what he was doing. And I realized now for sure I was not a help. I was not, I was not a help to my dad. And I also realized I didn't pick up the skills of woodworking from him. And so for a bit of a time, I think I had shame about that. Like, what kind of an apprentice am I if I didn't pick up the skills of woodworking? But then what I realized is that I was an apprentice of him, not for his woodworking skills. I was an apprentice of my dad to become more like my dad. Because my dad is, is gentle and kind and curious. <laughs> and I'm trying to become more like him. You've heard us talk several times about Monday nights in February. We'll have an opportunity to get together just, just for that month on Monday nights right here. Uh, we'd love for you to sign up for it by tomorrow if you haven't already. But a lot of you already have signed up. It's pretty amazing. We're going to have a full room in here of people around tables, um, sharing meals together, and learning about the practice of Sabbath. And then we're going to leave and we're going to spend a week practicing the Sabbath. And then we're going to get back together and discover what is it that we learned about Sabbath and learn some more and keep practicing for four weeks. It's going to be, going to be amazing. But I know not everybody can come. We can't actually even fit everybody in, in the room. But, so what I want to invite you into is considering how it is that you can follow in this practice, this way of, of Jesus to stop and to rest and to Sabbath. So I'm going to give you four things that actually come from what we're going to be studying on, on Monday nights as well. Just really practical, simple stuff as a beginning place for you to consider. And the first one is this. As you're thinking about how to Sabbath and how to stop and how to rest, con consider that it's okay to start small. Oftentimes, the invitation into Sabbath is a 24-hour period of time, which it was for God. We're not God yet. So, I mean, we're not becoming more and more like God, but we're not, we're not 
up to Jesus' standards, so it's okay to start small. Maybe for you, it's, uh, maybe it's a half a day. Maybe it's even just a few hours if it needs to be. Like, find a few hours where you can actually put your phone down, um, stop with all the things that are, are, are um, distracting you, and spend time in Sabbath, in rest. The next uh, thought is to think about subtraction and not addition. I've just told you, like, I'm inviting you into something that Jesus invites you into, and it sounds like we're saying, okay, we're going to put a program on top of all that. That's not what we're doing. We actually just want to um, learn about how Sabbath is actually something that opens you up to life. It's a gift. It actually invites you to do less. <laughs> it actually invites you to stop doing some things for, for a time. And when you begin to practice it on one day, it affects the rest of your week as well. So think subtraction, not addition. The third concept, just to kind of get, is when you start something new, oftentimes you're not great at it yet. At least that's true for me. So um, just that idea of like the J curve, where when you begin something new, you might, you might kind of go down. You might slip, actually, at first and not completely excel and hit your target all the time. But you keep going, right? You keep going because of the, the concept of the J curve. You keep, keep moving, you'll get better. Which leads us into this fourth one. There is no formation without repetition. There's no formation without repetition. So this is the kind of thing where that's what it means to practice. Like we do the same thing over and over again. It's kind of like when you come to worship, right? You come to worship and some weeks it is awesome. You know, you got your real preacher here and you got the music is kicking. I mean, like everything is fantastic and, and your heart is there. Like you brought it all. It's, everything is amazing. And then some weeks, you know, it's not quite, it's just not quite hundred percent. It's fine. Right. But it's not, not all the way there. I get it. There's no formation without repetition. So the same is true for us in our practice of Sabbath. We just got to keep doing it. There'll be moments of discouragement and you're like, oh, this is harder than I thought. But then you keep doing it and you'll find, oh, it's more beautiful than I thought. There's actually more life in stopping and resting and having Sabbath myself with with my family. So here's the invitation one more time from Jesus. And I just want you to consider it. Like make a make a mental note, do something in your heart right now of saying, okay, I hear this invitation. And it's an invitation to life. Like I'm not even, I've never lived yet. Like there's more, there's more that God has for me. And consider your response to Jesus when he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. God, we thank you for for seeing us and knowing us, for giving us life, and for having a desire that we would go deeper in following after Jesus. Not just so that we could achieve something or check something off a list, but so that we could have the fullness of life that he invites us into. So that in in living the ways of of Jesus, we might be able to to see more and actually embody the kingdom of God that he came to to tell us about. Following Jesus means living in in a different way. And so God, we pray for your spirit to give us strength as we walk through that. We pray for for your grace for when we mess up. And we pray for vision for how we can live into the Sabbath practice you invite us into. Give us life. Give us rest. In Jesus' name.